Well, worship was uh, awesome today, and that's one of the things I miss is worshiping together with everyone, but uh, Jonathan and Lauren and the team are doing a fantastic job of uh, making it alive for each one of us, and so that, that's uh, totally awesome and appreciated. Uh, we want to say uh, happy Mother's Day uh, today. We're very excited about this day, and again, just sorry we couldn't be together for it, uh, but we're excited, and for you, we think you're all awesome. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> very deserving of honor, and we love you. And this year, we've thought about the needs in the community of some of the single moms, and we thought in honor of you, we would reach out and bless them. There's a couple organizations that uh, are out there that we can work with, and we uh, have talked to uh, for this. And so just want to encourage you that uh, uh, we're going to do it in honor of you toward them. Just a real quick uh, note on the uh, National Day of Prayer, uh, I thought Patricia did a fantastic job of pulling it together, and one thing that I noticed was that there were many of you on there, but also there were pastors from all over the city, all different denominations, coming together and praying uh, for our city and for our, our nation, and I just thought how awesome that is. God loves unity. He loves to pull us together. Um, and so that was really a cool thing. And then I want to just talk for a moment about our reopening plan. Uh, we've talked about the date uh, most likely being the 24th of this month. Uh, we'll have some stuff put together for it. We'll have to go with the city's um, social distancing rules, and we'll have masks here for those that would want one of those and need those. Uh, we also will have hand sanitizers. <coughs> and everything sanitized as well as possible. And we will also be in faith. And so uh, we are looking forward to that. Unless something changes with our officials, we will go with the 24th on that. Uh, and we will continue to do online streaming for uh, those that don't feel comfortable uh, joining back together yet, and that's fine. Uh, as well as we've seen such a response from outside of the church for this online uh, ministry that we're going to continue that, and we're very excited about it. It is reaching a lot of people, and not only through our church, but through the many churches that are doing it. So that's an exciting thing. So hopefully that helps uh, us begin to plan for that. We will have the uh, Kids Rock Ministry also going uh, with the same guidelines and so forth, and we know that they're looking very much uh, to getting back together with each other and with uh, Pastor Sam. So it's going to be an exciting time. It's just around the corner, and let's just continue to pray. I want to talk with us this morning uh, concerning victory against the odds, victory against the odds. And I, had a, I came across a quote. I modified it just a little bit, but I, I felt it was really <clears throat> appropriate. Uh, it's the real danger for us is not the enemy's schemes, but being unaware of them, and thus unprepared and unprotected for them. So the real danger is not the enemy's plan and his schemes, and we know the Bible says that he has those, but it's us being unaware of those. And I want to just take some time. We've been going through some different aspects of walking in faith and victory, and, and I'll just uh, go through some things this morning that I think will really be beneficial for us in this season. I want to say this uh, about what's happening around us just briefly. Uh, it just seems like there's concern uh, about the virus everywhere. Um, 
And even though they seem to be lightening up on the gathering uh, and the opening of businesses, it seems like fear just continues to rise. People are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling discouraged. Uh, they're fearful. And uh, maybe you're struggling with that too. And again, I hope today's message uh, uh, brings great faith and stirring and, uh, in your heart today. I want to say this, church. The virus is not our biggest problem. The virus is not our biggest problem. I actually believe that the enemy has taken advantage of this. And I want to show you this. And part of the reason that I believe this, number one, is because there's so much confusion around it. And, uh, and, 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 and just as the church was seemingly gaining some ground over these past couple of years in some different areas that I felt was important, all of a sudden we see this come alive. Now listen to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. And let's see if we can maybe apply it here somehow. Now it happened that when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to close, that they became very angry. Now listen to this in verse 8. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem, number one, and then create confusion, create confusion. And boy, I see a lot of that going on around us, this confusion about the whole uh, situation of the coronavirus is just filled with that. And then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so I, I, I think we just need to just step back and just say, you know, there's a lot more than meets the eye than what's going on. And that God wants us as his church to be a part of the solution for this. And that's why we've continued to push. Don't stay the same. Let's not come out of this the same as we went into it. Let's not just hang on till it's gone. This is a part of the enemy scheme, and we can make a difference in it. We can let God arise so his enemy will be scattered. And so I want to just encourage us in that. And then I want to just review briefly last week. We looked at the term, the Greek term, hypernike, hypernike, which means that we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. And, and, and that's our position as a believer. We're overcomers. We have the victory. We're more than conquerors. We looked at prayer last week. And I, the four points that we brought out is that, number one, prayer has to speak. Prayer has to speak. Even God, when he created the world, he spoke it into existence. The second thing we looked at is prayer has to hear. I believe it's important for us as believers to hear the Lord when he speaks to us. Matter of fact, when I have found my greatest victories in prayer, it has been when I've responded to the voice of God speaking to me and me coming into agreement with that. The third thing we said is prayer also has to act. Prayer has to act. You have to sometimes do something with, <clears throat> with your prayers and not just sit back and expect uh, God to do everything. He doesn't always. He'll, he wants to partner with you. He wants to include you. And then the last point that we made last week was prayer has to deal with unbelief. I have to deal with that little area maybe in the back of my mind that is unbelieving. And like the father with his son when he was trying to get him healed and Jesus approached him and 
told him that it could happen, and the man recognized, Lord, I believe, I believe, and I think we all believe, but he said, hey, I need some help with my unbelief. And so um, it's important for us to understand that about prayer. Now, I want to take us this week into victory against the odds. And to see this, we're going to look at King Jehoshaphat. Many of you may be familiar with that name. It's, uh, it's found in Second Chronicles, and we'll be looking at a few verses in 18, chapter 18, chapter 19, and chapter 20. And I think you're going to find this to be an eye-opening as well as an inspiring uh, story about how we deal with some of the challenges that he faced and how that we may be facing today or tomorrow. So let's open with a word of prayer. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to uh, help our attention stay focused, our spirits stay open, and in a receptive mode. So Father, we thank you today just for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for everybody that listens to this, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak very clearly to us. You said faith comes by hearing your word, that we would hear your word, our faith would grow today. I pray that, God, our minds would be completely receptive to you, uh, and uh, we would have a yes and amen in it as we go through your word. I pray the principles in this story will come alive to each one of us, and I thank you for that. I thank you for everybody watching uh, this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This story is about Jehoshaphat, who's the king over Judah, and it says that he connects with Ahab, which was the king over Israel. We had the divided nations at that point, but we find with Ahab that he wasn't a good king. He was what the Bible generally would call a wicked king. Jehoshaphat was a good king, but he connected himself with King Ahab at a certain point in his journey and began to lean and toward his ways more so than God's ways. And Jehoshaphat then uh, gets asked by uh, Ahab to go to battle with him. So he gets him over there. He makes a connection. Ahab has um, idol idols all around him. And uh, obviously they're in impacting Jehoshaphat. And he calls them together and he asks them to go to battle with them. Well, Jehoshaphat approaches him then, and this is in chapter 18. Jehoshaphat approaches him and says, hey, I think we should inquire of the Lord. And so as we read in uh, uh, these verses that I'm going to read in just a moment, we're going to see that uh, Ahab has this whole lineup of false prophets or the idols prophets that he calls on. And he goes through all 400 of them, believe it or not. And then um, Jehoshaphat is not feeling comfortable with this. And he says, hey, I, can we just find one that maybe is of the Lord and ask of him? And here's the story. This is Second Chronicles chapter 18, verses 1 to 7. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself to Ahab. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, and he said this. He says, yeah, I am as you are, and my people are as your people, and we will be with you in war. Also, Jehoshaphat said this. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, Jehoshaphat said this, please 
inquire for the word of the Lord today. That was often done with the kings. Most of the kings, the good kings, had prophets alongside of them. And they would ask them before they would go out and do something. And verse 5 says this here. It says, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for God will deliver you into the king's hand. <clears throat> but Jehoshaphat, again, his conscience still working, entangled with the wrong person, but his conscience is still working. He says, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Is there somebody that's connected with the only true God that we can call on? In verse 7, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there still is one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Listen to this here. But I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And so they end up uh, listening to him, but not taking his advice. Uh, he had told them not to go to battle. They take off. They go to battle. In that battle, the bad king, King Ahab, is killed. And Jehoshaphat miraculously escapes and returns to Jerusalem to his hometown. Chapter 19 and verse 4 uh, says this here. It says, Jehoshaphat then, after returning to Jerusalem, uh, gathers the people of God that were scattered and afraid and brought them back to God. So he starts going out and proclaiming uh, God to everybody in his region and under his kingship. And then in verse 19 and verse 5 it says, And then he set the judges and warns them to judge fairly. So he immediately goes back, gathers the people, he reestablishes judges. Judges are making decisions, just like we've lately seen uh, different judges put in that are willing to follow the Constitution and willing to make more moral decisions than what we've seen in the past. And that's going to be the thing that's going to change things. Well, Jehoshaphat knows this. He pulls in the judges and he warns them. He says, you need to judge the people fairly. And you need to do this thing right and honorably because you will be judged in the same way that you judge them. And so he gets things set in order, uh, and, and now the story begins. And I want, uh, if you have your Bibles open, you can open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm just going to read through it, I'm going to make some comments, and then I have three points that I want to share with us to wrap this up today that I believe can be life-changing for you. So let's just start now. Jeho uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. It says, it happened that after this that the people of Moab, Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, hey, a great multitude is coming out against you from beyond the sea from Syria and they are in Hazanion Tamar. And so that, as you see the story, there's all these armies now that are going to try to take out Jehoshaphat and the tribe of Judah. Verses 3 and 4. 
we see that the nation then gets called together. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. So now Jehoshaphat's back in the position of recognizing his need for the Lord. He recognized that he drifted apart, and because he drifted apart, the people drifted apart. So now he's calling him back, and it says he feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaims a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And listen to this here. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I I felt like even a little bit yesterday that the whole National Day of Prayer, there were an awful lot of people coming together, and we're coming what? To seek the Lord, to cry out to them in this very critical point in our history. I mean, you can almost, almost, you can almost see America in this picture with lots of different nations that are out against us, wanting to invade. You can feel it edging in, and this is exactly what was happening with him. And now it's time for us, the people of God, to rise up and to seek the Lord, and come together to do this. Look at verse 5 through 12. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord our God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? So he's beginning to pray. And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one would be able to withstand you? And are you not our God who drove out our inhabitants uh, of this land before your people Israel and, and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. And saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, or viruses, come on, if this comes against us, will we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction. And you will hear and you will save. Now here, now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and they did not destroy them. And here they are, <clears throat> rewarding us to inherit, O oh our God. <clears throat> Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. Uh, Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze here. (laughs) Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Excuse me. Good, because there's, <coughs> there's always a lot. <coughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. fighting it for a bit here. (laughs) Okay, so can I, did you stop it? (laughs) Oh my goodness. 
Um, I'll start back at that verse. It was coming, man. I've been fighting it for a minute. I kept trying to get past it. I knew if one came. Speak more. Yeah. <coughs> okay. <coughs> okay, so I think that's done. And I'll start. <laughs> I'll start over at this verse. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, let's let's, let's try it. So we'll look at Jehos, uh, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 5 through 12. Listen to the story and kind of enter into it because he's going to now lead the whole assembly in prayer. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. <laughs> I started over. Stop, 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 yeah. Huh? Excuse me. So chapter 20, verses 5 through 12. You're going to leave that in? Did you say excuse me? Yeah. Well, yeah, because the last scene was you doing talk. Right. Excuse me. Well, just clip it all the way back and start where I started reading the verse. Oh, okay. That would be... Am, am I going... <laughs> You better make sure you clip this out. I just uh, ripped my. <laughs> Isn't that going good? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So let's take a look now at Second uh, Chronicles chapter twenty, verses five through twelve. It's uh, Jehoshaphat is going to lead the whole assembly in prayer. Listen to the wording. Uh, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and, and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and, and have built you a sanctuary in it uh, for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, 
viruses. Uh, we, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from, but turned, they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of our out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. In other words, the land. <clears throat> o our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming up against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. <clears throat> Man, I, I love that prayer. I, I feel like, uh, you know, certainly he's not reminding God about who he was, but I think in that prayer he was reminding himself of all the great things that God had done. And he was reminding himself of the land that God had given him and the promises that he gave him, even going, taking it back to the, uh, the father Abraham. And, and so it's important. And, and, and he comes to him and says, we, are, we have no power against them. We recognize that. Uh, but we don't know what to do either. So we need to inquire of you and hear from you so that we can have the victory. And then we, uh, we see that he answers the prayer that he just prayed through a prophet, verses 13 through 15. Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mahataniah. <coughs> a Levite, the son of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, or he prophesied, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it's God. And we know that term a lot. We say that a lot, but did we know the setting that is in? It was an overwhelming situation. It was against all the odds that they could possibly do anything, but yet God's coming to bring them the comfort. But he says to them, don't be <clears throat> afraid or dismayed or confused, or, uh, uh, but, but, but trust in him. Uh, it doesn't matter what that looks like out there. You can trust him. Verses 16 and 7, 17, he now is going to give some instructions. He says, tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And I just th find it interesting that God's actually being that specific with them. He's saying, here's where they are. Go to them. Go face them. <clears throat> you will not need to fight this battle, so position yourself Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Tell you, that is the most important thing I think that we can maybe pull out of some of this lesson here is that God does want to partner with us. Um, he, it's, it's kind of a faith partnership with God. We hear Him, we listen to Him, we obey Him, and we get His results. And, <clears throat> and so it's an amazing thing. And then 
let's wrap up here with 20 and 21. It says the, about the battle and, and, and what their approach was to be. And I want you to just lean into this particular portion. I think this is very important here. So they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekeo, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Now listen to this. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Did you hear that? He said, hey, I want you to prepare, bring the singers out, bring the musicians out, and, and, and send them out in front of everybody else. You know, I, I often, you know, people ask sometimes about worship and, you know, it, it, the importance of it or the value of it. I, I think we clearly see in Scripture uh, that uh, there's a lot accomplished through worship and that, that the, 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 the worship leaders were sent before the battle often in the Old Testament. I want to look at the three responses uh, that we are shown by King Jehoshaphat that may help us today. So let me just give you these three, uh, and then we'll wrap up this morning. Number one, I need to resolve to trust God completely in prayer. I need to resolve to trust God completely in prayer. I, I think we, we don't understand sometimes <clears throat> that when we pray, we position ourselves with, the, with first, just like Jehoshaphat did, saying, God, we know, I know what you can do. I know what you've done. I trust that. Now I'm coming to you in that, and I'm believing, and I'm completely trusting that what you've done before, you will do again. And what you've promised before, you're going to keep your promises, and it's going to be an awesome thing. Listen to what Job said in uh, chapter 13 and verse 15. Listen to Job and what he says uh, in his book. And, and I think most of us remember what Job's life was like. He's, he come to this conclusion. He says, though he slay me, yet I will what? Trust him. So Job was willing to take it all the way to death without changing his trust in the Lord. And I just want you to lean in here for just a minute because I believe he's trying to get us to increase. Trust is faith. I have faith in God. I trust God. I, I know that God's going to be there and God's going to help me. Because sometimes, quite frankly, you feel like you're at the very end or of your rope. You're hanging on by a thread in certain circumstances and situations, but as you learn to trust in the Lord and you know His promises and you've heard His word, you can always count on Him uh, being on your side and fighting the battle for you. James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 kind of came to my mind as I was preparing for this. It says, but let him ask what? In faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the, the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And so I, I, I want to just challenge this up. Would you resolve to trust God 100%? And once you position yourself for that, 
uh, I believe something will begin to change inside of you that does make a difference. And I just want to give you two things on this, resolving uh, to trust God completely in prayer. <clears throat> Number one, uh, uh, prayer is the greatest weapon that we have as God's children. I cannot uh, express uh, strong enough to you this morning that uh, we need to have a powerful prayer life. It's a powerful key that gives us the victory over every oppression, everything that comes against us. Prayer is the key to that. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, um, that I have found that when I step into a place of prayer and I hear clearly what God says, and I stand up and come out of that time in agreement with it, you always will see that miracle power. And as you grow in your prayer time and your relationship with God, I think you'll begin to experience that more. So prayer is the greatest weapon that God has given us. And God sometimes permits uh, staggering odds to come against us just to drive us to our knees, get us back to our knees. That's exactly what he did to Jehoshaphat. He had odds against him. He went to his knees. He started seeking the Lord. And then the second thing about prayer, B, is uh, prayer is the proof that we trust him. Let me just say it this way. If I am not praying, then I'm not trusting him. I'm trusting me. I'm saying I have enough wisdom and insight to work through this. And I would just, uh, again, challenge us to let's, let's just take this whole concept of prayer, reprioritize it, and let it be a part of our everyday life, and, and not just in the morning at one time, but just throughout the day that we're communicating, talking to God, that's prayer, and we're hearing from Him, and, and we're, we're trusting Him, and we're seeing His uh, hand move. Second thing that I would say, besides resolving to trust Him, and what I see here in uh, this story with Jehoshaphat, is that I need to learn to receive the prophet. Let me just reread this uh, chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, and the Levite, the son of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude or this giant crisis or this huge problem, this huge challenge, this huge battle. Do not be afraid for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So we need to learn to rely on the prophets. And of all the ministries, I think, that have been maybe slow, to, uh, slow for people to grasp, for the church to grasp, or maybe even quick to reject, it's that ministry of the prophetic. But I want to I just give you the three realms of prophecy that if you begin to trust in them and believe in them and, and function in them, you can do it safely, securely, and literally will change your life. We're called to be a prophetic people. Uh, we're the body. He's the head. Jesus is the head, and so he's going to have a prophetic body. The first, uh, the first uh, realm of the prophetic is actually your Bible, this right here, if you read Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18, and listen to this, it's at the end of the very end of the Bible, he says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. 
speaking of the Bible that you have in your hand. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. So this Bible, the book that we have, is a living book. It's a prophetic book. Every time you read it, you're actually learning to hear the prophetic voice of your God because every aspect, every part of it is prophetic. That's what he's saying. Hey, you, you, you hear the words of the prophecy of this book, and we hold it really as the highest level of prophecy that we gauge everything else against. The second aspect of the prophetic words is the Holy Spirit who speaks prophetically to you directly. If you read John chapter 16, Jesus is giving his, uh, his teaching on this. And he says, hey, I'm getting ready to go to the Father. Uh, he's about to be crucified. I'm getting ready to go. But I'm going, and when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, back here to you to live in you. And he, he says in John 16, I won't take time to read it, but you can read this, and, and I hope you would. And when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you things to come. And so you have the prophetic Holy Spirit speaking to you. The third aspect of the prophetic that we have as believers is that the, the New Testament says that there's prophets, Ephesians chapter 4. It says there's the spirit of prophecy and there's a gift of prophecy. So there's whole, this whole big realm of the prophetic which Jesus said that he would build his church based on the apostles and the prophets. He's going to establish his church. And so I just want to encourage you, believe the prophets. Believe the prophecy. And, and again, it's just uh, something that as you grow in, you can become confident in it. it. It begins to bear witness with your spirit. Why? Because the spirit of prophecy is in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. The Bible's in your hands. And if you read it, it begins to bear witness. And then you have the prophets and the gifts and so forth that come into alignment with both of those. And it's totally awesome and totally powerful. And it's totally something that you definitely uh, you, you want to have uh, operating in your life and to believe it. And we see Jehoshaphat, remember he went after the prophets. And yes, we know there were pro false prophets, but he knew that. He had a discerning in his heart and spirit. Verse 14 and 15 says, And the prophet Jehaziel, under the anointing of God's spirit, began prophesying over the situation. And he said, Don't be afraid or discouraged of this vast army and, 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 and so on. And so see, it's, it's a, there's a there's a there's a, a word that God has, I believe, for situations, and we learn to hear it, and it becomes normal to us. Um, I, I found this quote. It says, "What a nation needs more than anything else is not a Christian ruler in the palace, but a Christian prophet within earshot." <laughs> I thought, boy, how powerful is that? And I I love the fact that really we. Uh, we see that our president now, for maybe the first time that I remember, has actually prophetic people all around him, praying for him, speaking into his life, uh, and ministering to him. And I, I think it's just an, an awesome thing. Let me just give you this verse under this. In Ephesians 2 and verse 19, Ephesians 2, 19, it says, Now therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, 
having been built on the foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets. So these are very important ministries in our day. And, and it goes on, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. We, we know that and we stand on that. And so, uh, so we have this whole area that I think if we begin to position ourselves rightly when we come up against these crises and these battles and, and, and these viruses and, and, and whatever else comes our way, God's ready to speak to us. Because remember, he's building a victorious church. And that's you and I. That's you and I. And the third thing and the last thing here that I want to bring out of this lesson that we get from him, and this is so powerful, uh, it releases, uh, number three, release, release songs of deliverance. Release songs of deliverance. Now, some of you are going to have to take some singing lessons. I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand the place that worship plays in our lives and has played in the lives of uh, the church from the very beginning and, and that we step into this. Uh, chapter 20 and verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then the Levites of the children of the Kohites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. And so they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekiah. And, and, they, and, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. <laughs> Believe his prophets and you're going to prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out, before the army, they were saying, singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And verse 22, and now when they begin to sing and praise the Lord, let me repeat that. Now when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Wow. What a powerful thing. And I've known people to be healed in worship, delivered in worship, set free in worship, with prophetic flows in worship times. God speaks clearly. And, and, and it was through this whole element. I love this psalm here where David says in Psalms chapter 32 and verse 7, it says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble and you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. In other words, it encircles me. As, he, as, as these songs come, they encircle us, is what the word uh, means, that surround me with songs of deliverance. And it's, a, it's amazing the times that I've heard God the best have been in the middle of times of just stopping, quitting my concerns, and, and whether it be at home in my own prayer time or whether it's here at the church or a different prayer and worship night, that when I allow that to worship to begin to come out and songs begin to come out, man, God just begins to speak so clearly. 
and it just begins to flow. It's like it flows out of heaven for us. And, and, and maybe that's why there's such a struggle against worship. It is, it is because the enemy knows how powerful it is. When you worship, he, he encircles you with songs of deliverance. I mean, it's just so awesome. I just, uh, I just almost can't wait to get back into worship here. Uh, and so here, here, here's the three things that I just said that Jehoshaphat went. God will give us the victory over overwhelming odds in this present day if we will resolve to trust God completely in prayer, if we will receive the prophet, and if we will release songs of deliverance. And trusting Him, trusting in the Lord, um, actually starts uh, when we give Him our heart and we give Him our life. And so I, I just want to uh, again, open open up your thoughts to uh, maybe if you've not received or you've not drawn close to God, you're far from God, that today would be the day that you lean in and you just say, God, I, I want to trust you. God, I want to trust your word, the, the prophetic word that you've given to us and preserved for so many years. God, I, I want to be encircled and I want to find deliverance from my woes and my challenges and, and so forth in life. And so I want to come to you today, God, and I'm going to first take my first step by giving you my heart and my life. Jesus said that uh, if, you would if you would believe in your heart and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's ro ro risen from the dead, that you would be saved. And, and he's made a plan for every one of us to step into this open relationship. And once you do that, then you begin, I think, to a whole new life that's absolutely amazing. And I, I, again, I just think every time I bring this up, I remember the day that he transformed this old drug, alcoholic, uh, perverted lifestyle person and totally turned me around. And, and I just think that I want to encourage you. We're going to pray in just a moment. If you've not received Christ, just ask him to come into your heart. Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. If you open it up, it said he'll come in. And it's a miraculous, powerful thing. And maybe you're here and you've kind of drifted from God or maybe, you know, it's not, it's not shameful to say, you know, I've kind of fallen into the fear that's all around us in our culture today. And it's been attacking my mind and maybe I'm losing my sleep or maybe I'm getting anxious or uh, maybe I'm fearful. Uh, that, that today uh, I want to pray for you to be completely released from that. He doesn't want any part of that. We have to be bold in him. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. And so I want to pray that that boldness comes back into you and all of the, uh, the, the media and all of the, uh, the, the, the advertisements and the things that they're saying that aren't true would not be getting into your heart and spirit. And today we would be set free. We be encircled with songs of deliverance. So let's, let's, let's just take a moment now and let's just pray. Whatever your position is, just to come into agreement with the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you today for just your powerful love. Uh, I thank you for your powerful, Lord, ability to uh, pull us out of wherever we're at. You can take us from a position of being far from you to being very close, and you can make yourself real. So, Lord, I pray for everyone listening this morning, whatever state we're in, that we would come into a new place with you, new relationship, a new trust, and a new belief, Father, in you. 
And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we take time right now just to pray for our nation and for what's happening with us, this whole uh, uh, COVID-19 virus. Father, we speak against it. We ask you to heal people and destroy this virus in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. Let your blessing, God, be upon our day now. In Jesus' name, amen.